for me, I almost think of it as like a surgeon uses a scalpel. It's just a tool to do what's in my mind and in my heart. Hey friends, Josh Linkner here, delighted to bring you season three of Mic Drop, the number one podcast for professional speakers and thought leaders. On the show, we connect with experts at the top of the field, unpacking their success to help each of us grow and thrive. From elevating your artistry to booking more gigs, Mic Drop is designed to give you the tools and insights you need to reach the next level. Together, we'll accelerate the path to growth, success, and most importantly, impact. The best keynotes start movements and incite change. And when you couple an electrifying speech with a project that fuels audience engagement, the result is lightning in a bottle. What I'm talking about here is a book. That's where our friends at Amplify Publishing Group come in. With 20-plus years of experience and hound by some of the industry's most renowned veterans, including best-selling author and global superstar Mel Robbins, the team at Amplify knows not only how to produce a fantastic book, but how to leverage that book and make it work for you, your brand, and your business. And Amplify not only knows books, they know the world of keynote speaking and thought leadership. Having published CEOs and executives, they take positioning into consideration at every step of the way. Whether you have a one-line concept or a comprehensive outline, Amplify is ready to work with you. Visit AmplifyPublishing.com forward slash mic drop to schedule an exploratory call and receive an exclusive editorial one-pager tailored to your concept. That's AmplifyPublishing.com forward slash mic drop. Welcome to another episode of Mic Drop where today we have the privilege of hosting an extraordinary guest. Paul Mobley is a celebrated photographer and keynote speaker, and he brings his unique perspective on capturing the essence of humanity through his lens and through his words. Paul's journey in photography is a testament to perseverance and passion. From his early days struggling in New York City to a life-changing opportunity working with the iconic Annie Leibovitz, Paul's story is one of dedication and artistic evolution. His career is marked by a transition from the initial struggles of a starving artist to achieving success as one of the most notable and important photographers of our generation. As a portrait photographer, Paul focuses not just on the visual, but also on the essence of his subjects. His philosophy transcends the technical aspects of photography, delving into the importance of communication and deeper connection with subjects. This approach has allowed him to capture soulful portraits of people from all walks of life, from farmers and centenarians to famous celebrities. Paul's work as a keynote speaker parallels his photographic ethos. He explores themes of basic human kindness, connection, and the importance of being present in the moment. His journey from capturing images to sharing insights on stage offers valuable lessons for leaders and creatives alike. In this episode, we explore Paul's artistic journey his approach to both photography and speaking, and the wisdom he's gleaned from a lifetime behind the lens. Join us today for an inspiring conversation that delves into the art of capturing the soul, both through images and words. Paul Mobley, welcome to Mic Drop. How you doing, Josh? Great to be here. 
I'm so excited for our conversation today. I, have, I hold you in such high regard as, a, as really a, a brilliant artist, even transcending whether it's photography or, or keynote speaking, just, just a pure artist. But I want to get back to the earlier parts of your, your photography career. Um, just like many speakers, I'm sure you're getting started and you're you know, kind of starving artist. And then eventually you broke through to the point where you had a sustainable practice. Was there a tipping point or were there any sort of big milestones where you transcended from that sort of entry level starving artist vibe to a, to a more sustainable uh, practice of success? You know, I was in New York um, struggling like all artists and just kept grinding away, grinding away. And on one particular day, I remember feeling like I was walking down Fifth Avenue and there were a million people. And I thought, what am I doing here? And pretty much like a lot of other guys thought about giving up and maybe just taking a regular nine to five situation and got a phone call from Annie Leibovitz studio and went there the next day and everything changed. So when you, when you went there, what, what were you tasked to do? Did, I, did you work alongside her? Or how, how did that unfold? Oh, no. I started as, you know, of course, I wanted to work alongside with her, but I ended up being the fourth assistant, which was getting coffee, cleaning toilets, uh, running errands. And if I was lucky, getting a peek of her working. Uh, But just to be in that environment, um, I felt like that was the first bit of momentum that I had. And, you know, I got my degree in photography, but as you can imagine, learned so much in New York City that you can't learn in college. And I just felt like that was a day. Um, You know, there's been four or five what I would call key moments in my life that I'll never forget, uh, especially career wise. And that was one of many. But at that point, I felt like, you know what, I may as well keep going and, and just keep plugging along. So you're, you're cranking along, getting coffee and <laughs> cleaning toilets and such. Um, but I'm sure that, that that was an incredible learning experience. As, as speakers, you know, where I've learned so much from, from my mentors. What, what are some of the things that you learned from, from, you know, at least working in the same environment as Annie Leibovitz? You know, I, I think it was more about uh, being a better communicator. I'm a portrait photographer, as you know, Josh. And, you know, people ask me all the time about the camera and what kind of camera do I use in equipment? And it's so irrelevant. Uh, for me, I almost think of it as like a surgeon uses a scalpel. It's just a tool to do what's in my mind and in my heart. And I think what I learned working in New York City with a lot of different photographers was the communication skills and really the business of photography. You know, the businesses, I'd love to sit here and tell you that I spend 90% of my day behind the camera taking pictures, but it's about 10%. The other 90% is the business chasing the jobs, dealing with the publicists, dealing with all of the uh, the weeds that I would call um, when you get that 30 or 60 or half a day in, you know, on set, that's the joy of it all. But it's really a small percentage of my day-to-day life. It's very similar to, obviously, as you know, keynote speakers who spend a small portion of their life on stage and a lot of their lives preparing to be on stage, whether it's the preparation of content or practicing or, of course, the business of speaking. Um, What are some things that you think professional speakers can learn from professional photographers? Um, You know, it's the same kind of thing, preparation. You know, I'm getting ready to leave to go to New York. It's a lot of travel for the next two days to speak for one hour, right? Um, And all I'm thinking about right now is the preparation. You know, even though I've given this keynote quite a bit, 
I'm still wanting, how can I make it better? Um, is there something in the audience that maybe I'm missing? Um, what's this group like? So for me, uh, when I'm doing a photo shoot of somebody famous or somebody important or just a regular person, the more I know about them, the better I think I'm going to do uh, when it's time to, to do the work. And it's the same thing with a keynote. I want to know about the room. I want to know about the lighting, how many people are in the audience. Is it mostly male? Is it, you know, husband and wives? And all of that for me gives me just more preparation to do, to do the best I can um, when I'm on stage. I know that when you're working as a photographer or doing a portrait job, um, getting through to them can be difficult sometimes. People put up a barrier, an emotional barrier. And I know you're very, very good at, I, I've witnessed it myself, your ability to sort of break break that down and, and ultimately really connect with your subjects. How, how have you broken down some of those emotional walls? And maybe what can speakers do in the same way because they're trying to break down emotional walls for those who may be resistant to their message who are sitting in the audience in front of them? You know, whenever I, um, in, in photography, sometimes just like in, in a keynote, you get an hour, you get 45 minutes, you, you want to stay on time. When you, uh, same thing in photography, I might get 15 minutes with somebody that's very famous. Uh, if I'm lucky, I get an hour. But I think about how do I want to use that time, Josh? Do I want to, you know, approach somebody who may not want their picture taken and just put a camera right in their face before I even shake their hands? Probably not. But if I only have five minutes, do I gamble and say, you know what? I know that person likes to fly fish. So did my father. I'm going to take three minutes and talk about fly fishing. It's only going to give me two minutes to take the picture, but may very well be the difference between a very stale, uh, soulless picture and something that really captures the spirit of who they are. When I'm speaking, it's kind of the same way. I am. I'm never not nervous when I walk on stage. Uh, you know, we all talk about this. And I think another great speaker said, if you're not nervous before they announce your name, get out. You know, you've got to have that fire. Uh, and, and there's not a time where just for that minute, when they're doing my introduction, I'm sitting there fumbling. And as soon as I get on stage, but but I I just try to use the same move around the stage, know that these people are there to see you. I, I kind of remind myself that I have something to share and something to offer and that I want to share it with them. And so the audience is, is there to see me. And that's kind of like my mindset. And it, it, it gets me through rather than feeling like, oh my gosh, there's 500 people standing there criticizing or critiquing me and they're looking at their phones and, you know, well, you, you, of course, they're, they're there to see you and, and you are very good at seeing them. I, you and I have talked quite a length about this notion of discovering the soul of your subjects. I know you do a beautiful job of that when you're doing portrait work and, and, and in keynotes as well. Can you unpack that for us a little bit? What do you mean by discovering the soul of your subjects and, and how can we sort of apply some of those lessons as speakers? You know, Josh, whether you're taking a portrait, trying to sell uh, trying to be a good salesman, just trying to make a good connection or, or even be a good person, a good friend. Um, you know, for me, I, I feel like everybody has something to offer, something to say, whether it's the janitor, whether it's the CEO. And, and for me, I've always tried to take a very humble approach with people, whether I'm photographing them, speaking to them, shaking their hand and, 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 and try to find who they are. Because I found 
some of the joys in life that I've had have been just the little moments that I've had with somebody on the street or somebody that waited in line an hour and a half for me to sign their book and told me about their grandfather who was 106 and, you know, how my keynote really touched uh, and brought them right back to the times they spent with their dad or their grandfather. Um, I think it's all about trying to be not only a good human being, but, but, but show some care and kindness to your fellow human. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, and you, you've obviously been with such incredibly successful people, but you always exude humility, which I think is very, not only disarming, but, but also very authentic to who you are. Um, I, I want to say just for a moment on photography before we get into your speaking work, um, on a very tactical basis, sorry to ask such a tactical question, but as, as a, you know, one of the world's leading photographers, what should we speakers be thinking about our own portraits and our, our own photography and the, using that as an asset to promote our speaking business? Any, any sort of insights that we, we speakers should understand from, from one of the world's best photographers? You know, I think that um, there's a lot of photographers that will just, I I say, run around and snap the button. You know, that's not necessarily going to get you the best. You know, unless you're a supermodel that does this every day, somebody who is just running around pushing the button is probably going to capture a great portrait of of a model who does that every day. But for folks that, that haven't had their picture taken much, don't like to have their picture taken, I think it's important to, you know, if, if you do hire a photographer or do get some pictures done, um, try to explain in detail what you're looking for. And that the, at the end of the day, the picture needs to look like Josh or it's got to look like Paul or, you know, because if it, if, it, if it isn't our true self, you know, we know it and, and we can't share it and put it on our websites if it's not who we really are. So, you know, you've heard a million times, be yourself, but kind of the same comes through when having a portrait taken is just be yourself. And hopefully the photographer will capture that. um, And, and it'll, it'll help your brand when you're promoting your speaking. One of the things I love about your photography is that you really you said be yourself. You really have have done a, an incredible job capturing capturing people's true essence, their souls. Uh, I've seen your work with celebrities, um, but but equally impressive is your work with people that that we've never heard of. Your work with American farmers, your work with firefighters, the, your work with with centenarians. How did you start to choose those themes? I know you've written books on each of the ones I just mentioned, but how did you decide oh, I'm going to do a whole portrait book on on on, on farmers or on centenarians? Well, Farmers, um, which is kind of the basis of my keynote, was basically a, a summer that I was burned out. I was shooting um, every day, two, three times a day, and needed a break from commercial photography. So I decided to go up to my cabin in northern Michigan and uh, not take a single picture. And on the second or third day that I was there, I walked into a coffee shop. I'd been going in there forever. And on that day, there were four farmers sitting there. And my wife looked at me and she goes, you're not going to do it, are you? And I said, honey, look at the faces. And she goes, but what about taking the summer off? I said, oh, I just have to go. I just want to go say hi to the guys. You know, they were all gruffy, dirty. I mean, portraits like you can't make up in your mind. And so what happened was on that particular project, I asked the guys if I could photograph them. They said, you know, why? Why would you want to photograph us? But come on over. And that summer, Josh, instead of you know, doing nothing photographically, I feel like my career was reborn because I went out and photographed every farmer in that county and 
discovered the joy of photography. I mean, there was a time when I would get a call and have a high pressure shoot and I would put the camera in my hands and literally start shaking. And so that project really, which was the start of all the books that I did, um, I think reminded me why I got into it in the first place. Um, and, and then each book kind of followed afterwards. You know, I had photographed a lot of centenarians, a lot of a lot of farmers lived to be over 100 and was obviously very tickled by not only what they looked like, but the stories they had to tell. So immediately I thought, this would be a great book. Let's do a book on 100-year-olds. Took it back to the same publisher. She said that would be amazing. And that's how that book went. So to answer your question in, in short form, it's I, I tend to like to photograph things that interest me. Firemen, I mean, it's just those guys are you know, the toughest guys and so full of heart and soul and kindness and blood and sweat and tears. Um, hard to make a bad picture of those guys, too. I feel like your ability to tell their stories is remarkable. And you're obviously adding to them and and, and sharing their, their honor and respect. And at the same time, I think you're learning from that. And it's informing who you are as, a, as an artist and as a person. Um, and just as you know, I gave a keynote this morning to a large company, and I hopefully shared some ideas with them. But I learned from them, too. We're always learning and, and contributing at the same time. I remember, Paul, you told me a story of a woman um, who you, you took a beautiful shot. I've seen the photo. Uh, there were some boots. There was a flag. Um, would you maybe share that story with us? Because I think it's instructive of how you're able to really connect with the soul of your subject, bringing their story to life and also learning. And it's informing your, your own work as, as a human being and an artist. Well, my second book was called Everyday Heroes, where I went all over the country and photographed everyday people that pretty much Josh had given up their regular careers to help others. It was amazing. People that had successful careers, doctors, business people that found something they were passionate about, quit it and went full force into their foundation or their charity work. And I had heard about a woman. Uh, we had a list of subjects and I heard about a, a, a young woman in Texas named Taryn Davis, and she had lost her husband in the war. So um, she had uh, to help her with grieving. She uh, decided that there were many widows across the country that had the same issue. They had lost their husband and they couldn't grieve, uh, didn't know how to grieve, didn't know how to carry on. And what Taryn did was she decided that she would form a club, call it. Ten women turned to 20 to 40 that could get together on the Internet have phone calls. And it was like a weekly game of cards where they would all sit on the phone or on the computer and talk about what they were dealing with. And it helped them. And that grew from 10 to, to 20 or 30,000 people. So when I went to photograph her, like I do with everybody, it, you know, I did a little research and I said to her, I said, you know, Taryn, if there's any props or anything that you want to bring uh, that remind you of Michael or anything, her husband, please bring them. So I remember uh, pulling in down a dusty road to her ranch and pulling in and her getting out of an old pickup truck. I mean, it's, it's as visual as it could be right now thinking about it. And, you know, she got out really beautiful young woman. Um, you could see it in her eyes. There was a sadness there, but we talked I went to, you know, position her and I found the right spot. Next thing you know, I said, did you bring anything? And she said, yes, I did. We walked over to the truck and she had a pair of muddy boots. 
and she handed the boots to me and said, these were the boots Michael was in when he was killed. Um, I take them with me everywhere I go to remind me of him. I know he's always with me. Josh, I'm like, you know, pins and needles. Now I'm like, I've got my picture in my mind. I've already got the sky, the windmill, the the, the rickety fence. And now I'm just going to have her hold the boots. So I'm good. I'm ready to go. And she said, oh, and one more thing. And I said, what's that? And she hands me a box and I open the box up and it's a flag. And she said, and I brought the flag that they sent Michael back in um, that they wrapped his casket with. I'm like so full of emotion at this point. I don't know if I can even make this picture, but I know I have to. So we started with the boots. Next thing you know, I took the flag and draped it over her. And and I just said the sun was a certain way. And I said, hey, Taryn, you know what? I think Michael's with us right now. Um, Just look up to the sun, look to the sky and think of him. And let's both, you know, let's just think of him right now. And, you know, they always say, Josh, it's in the eyes. The light hit her and I snapped the picture and it's it's one of my favorite images. It's just um, and it's not to me when I think of it, I don't think, oh, I'm a great photographer and that was a great image. I think of that moment that, you know, the two of us having that moment and me being able to do that for her and and give her something um, it was all about her in that moment. Becoming a keynote speaker is an amazing profession. The top performers earn millions while driving massive impact for audiences around the world. But the quest to speaking glory can be a slow route with many obstacles that can knock even the best speakers out of the game. If you're serious about growing your speaking business, the seasoned pros at Impact 11 can help. From crafting your ideal positioning, to optimizing your marketing effectiveness, to perfecting your expertise and stage skills. As the only speaker training and development community run by current high-level speakers at the top of the field, they'll boost your probability of success and help you get there faster. That's why nearly every major speaker bureau endorses and actively participates in Impact 11. The Impact 11 community provides you unparalleled access to the people, relationships, coaching, and accountability that compresses your time to success. To learn more about the Impact 11 community, schedule a free strategy session today by visiting impact11.com forward slash connect. That's impactelevencom forward slash connect. It's an incredible example of, of true artistry, of capturing that moment, of bringing her soul to the surface, of telling a story. Um, and, and also, speaking of telling a story, you told that story beautifully. Um, and it's probably a good segue to understand how your work as a photographer has transitioned now to your work as, as a professional speaker. I know that um, someone who read your book and you started your, your book on farmers, you started speaking a lot to agricultural folks, and you've since expanded that. I'd love for you to help us understand like what drew you to speaking, what, what what's calling you to continue to to invest in, in that work in addition to your photography. Um, h- how have you decided to have yet another lane to express your artistic uh, ideas? You know, I had done that farmer book and um, I was really proud of it um, because of what it was, the people I met along the way. And as you said, how I was changed by, you know, going to over 400 farms across the country and listening to their lives and their stories. 
I started getting asked by farm bureaus, hey, we saw those pictures. Would you be willing to come to our uh, annual meeting and do a talk and show the pictures? I had never spoke. Uh, my dad was a great speaker. Uh, he was one of those guys that could, you know, make friends with anybody in a coffee shop at any time. But so I basically just put together, um, call it a slideshow. It's grown to much bigger than that. But I chose 20 or 30 of my pictures, Josh, and turned it into me standing up on stage talking to farmers and telling the stories, which was really about a city boy who had never been on a farm. But this is what I learned from you. And a speaker's agent happened to see me at one of those and said, I think we can do big things together. And we we turned that into a, a big multimedia presentation with music. And obviously it's it's evolved into what it is today. But I, I think I've given that speech over 175 times and um, it never gets old, Josh. It never gets old. I just felt like I needed to expand because there were other people saying, you know, what about the story about this person? And people always ask me about these pictures. So I thought, you know, the, the agricultural space is a wonderful space, but it's narrow. And I had thought about um, just widening my reach and, and speaking less about me as a photographer, but what I could, what I've learned from being behind the lens 30 years and, and how any audience could benefit from it. And so now you've, as mentioned, expanded your reach beyond the farming community, agriculture, to reach audiences and leaders of, of all shapes and sizes and bringing this message of what you've learned from 30 years behind the lens. What are some of the key themes? We talked about discovering the soul of your subject and, and sort of disarming them with kindness. What are some of the other themes that you bring out that are not just an expression of, of how you shoot photography, but of what leaders can, can embrace to, to become better at their own craft? You know, there's a, a part I talk about, look up to see beyond. Um, that, you know, there's a lot of in-between moments that happen um, in life. Forget about photography. And I think you need to be aware of those things, whether it is entertaining a client, trying to, to, to move up in your career, trying to be better at what you do. It's, it's the picture in between the picture is what I kind of speak about. And it's um, you have to know and be aware, but sometimes that's the key to, to success in any genre. I, I speak about that. I speak a lot about um, being in a society, Josh, that is so full of electronics and phones. And, 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 and what about let's slow it down. Let's go back a little bit to basic human kindness, a handshake. I remember a, a farmer telling me, you know, we were, we were talking about something and I said, should we do a little contract together? And he put his hand out and he said, my handshake is, is, is better than any contract you'll ever have. Um, and, and I think it's, it's all about in this fast paced world, how can we bring a little more humanity and basic human kindness um, to, to, to our everyday lives? One of the stories you told me, and I'd love for you to share here here today, is uh, was was about that. It's about real connection with somebody who was a little gruff. It was a it was a, a, a farmer, I, I, I recall, and and his sons. And I, I know you mailed him something. Would you mind just sharing that beautiful story with us? So I, um, what I noticed a lot in farming was hard work. 
it's it's a common theme. You don't go to a farm and see people on their phones and being lazy. The whole family's out there working. So I went to a farm to photograph dad. I always tell this story in my keynote. Um, his name was Keith. And I got out there and saw Keith and he, you know, met me in the driveway and said, great to meet you, Paul. And first thing I noticed was his three boys, three handsome boys, all in the flannel shirts, dirty, really working, carrying stuff, working together. And I said, I said, Dad, you know, we were only uh, really supposed to only photograph you. That was on my worksheet. But, hey, I'd love to take a picture of you and your boys. And he said, oh, that would be amazing. He said, I've never had a picture of me and my sons. And I said, really? Now, these boys, Josh, are in their 20s. And I said, I'm curious, why not? And he says, we're always working. We don't have time. So I said, great. So I remember posing them, putting the dad in the back and the three boys in the middle, looking through the camera, thinking he's going to die when he sees this. There was such an honesty. Um, and, and, and they were all just peering right through the camera, right through the lens and into my soul. And I remember thinking when he sees this, he's going to be really happy. So I took the picture and was so captured by that moment, that engagement with that family, that when I got back to New York, I quickly had my assistant make a print. I love sending prints to people. Um, it's kind of like the greatest gift you can give, right, if you're a photographer. So I sent the print off to him. And a couple of weeks later, I, I get a phone call from him. Um, and he says, hey, Paul, this is Keith. And I said, hi, Keith. And, you know, he basically said to me, you know, I walked down to my mailbox and opened my mailbox, saw a manila envelope with your name on it. He said, and I opened it up with my wife at the kitchen table. And I'm walking through the sequences like this in my keynote because he said, and as soon as I opened the manila envelope, the phone went dead. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I lost him. And it didn't go dead, Josh. He was sobbing. And I could hear him sobbing and him saying to me, I'm sorry to break down, Paul, but um, these boys mean so much to me. And to get this from you um, means everything. We're going to hang this above our uh, fireplace and I'll cherish it forever. And I kind of talk about the fact that as a photographer, it's a tough business. I'm in a very hard business and very, very few of us succeed. But when you're able, whether you're a beginner, amateur or a professional to, to move somebody to tears by just sending them a picture that you did, it's priceless, Josh. It's priceless. Mm. And there's so many parallels to that type of work, your, your care for the craft, your service of others, your, your beautiful ability to tell a story, in this case with, with photography, uh, so many parallels to, to what we're doing in speaking. So I think that's such an, an illustrative example for us as speakers, not, not only as, of course, uh, hearing what you did with the camera. Um, you've, you've taken portraits of amazing people, famous, not famous. Is there a portrait that you're most proud of? I know it's sort of like asking someone who's your favorite kid, you know, but like, is there one or two photos like that, that you're just, you, you really feel that that's indicative of, of your calling in your work? Well, you know, doing this 30 years, that's a really hard question. A lot of times when a picture makes me smile that I've done, Josh, it's not the technically best image. It didn't win any awards. It was that moment, that engagement with the subject. Um, you know, there's a picture 
that I took of Walter Jackson, who's in my um, farmer book, and he's a 104-year-old uh, orange farmer. And I remember he was one of the very first centenarians that I photographed, but he was just this little tiny little man. And, you know, as soon as I saw him, I thought every picture I take of this man is going to be beautiful. He had just little white whiskers and he was really an amazing guy. And um, we were talking. And at the end, um, he was just so jovial and said, you know, I put four boys through college with this orange growing. It's been a great career for me. Um and I asked him at the end, we're leaving, and I really didn't want to leave. I was almost tearful getting ready to pack up and leave because I thought, Josh, he's 103. I'm probably not going to see him again. But it was such a one of those guys you just wanted to hug and say, you know, Walter, I love you. You're a beautiful spirit, you know. And I remember leaving and saying, hey, Walter, you know, what's the key to long life? And he looked at me and said, be kind to your friends. Be kind to your neighbors, love your family. And he looked up in the sky and said, and the good Lord's always been good to me. And, you know, it's just that picture means a lot to me just because of the expression on his face combined with that story. Um, there's so many, you know, there's so many. But I think when you really break it down, it's not the most famous person I photographed. It was that particular moment that I had during the session, you know. So just rounding it out on photography, and then we'll have a couple of closing thoughts. But um, you, you mentioned these incredible subjects, and none of them are famous. And meanwhile, you've 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 photographed, you know, done portraits of some of the most famous people in the world. You've shot Mike Tyson, Ringo Starr, Amy Schumer, Trevor Noah, Sammy Hagar, Tracy Morgan, and others. Um, are there any celebrities left on your sort of photographic bucket list? Oh, it never ends. You know, uh, <laughs> yes, there's quite a few. I'm still chasing Dave Chappelle. Um, he's promised me. Um, sometimes for me, it's not the most famous person. It's the one that I think I can make a great image of. You know, um, Jerry Seinfeld's on there. Um, there's so many Morgan Freeman. It's, it's people that I, I think I can do a great portrait of rather than, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, well, if I photograph Justin Bieber, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. You know what I mean? Some some people would 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 love to photograph Justin Bieber. And and of course, I would, too. But I feel like I'd probably do a better job with Morgan Freeman or Dave Chappelle because, you know, I, I'm a little more into their craft. I'm I'm, I'm I love what they do. Uh, that's the same with musicians. A lot of times I photograph musicians that I just love the music because, as you know, being a musician, it, it speaks to me and um, I want to see where that can go. Well, you've done portraits of amazing people all over the world. And I hope that today we've done at least an audio portrait of you as, as an incredible artist, a speaker, a thought leader, a kind contributor, and, and someone that we can all admire. I wanted to leave you with one last question, Paul. In the same way that you asked the orange farmer as you were parting, said, hey, what's, what's the secret to a, to a good life? I'd love for you to just share any last wisdom for us as speakers, as thought leaders of those like you that want to contribute and make the world a better place. Any, any final pieces of advice for us as we close out the portrait today on you? I have found um, some of the most successful people that I've ever photographed have said, be nice, be nice to people. In the end, it will get you a long way. Um, and I, I, I'm so many times in a situation where there's a lot of egos, 
a lot of gatekeepers. Nobody's nice. And to me, it's so great when somebody says, oh, my gosh, you're so nice. And I'll say, yeah, I grew up in the Midwest and they'll laugh. And but for me, it's it's not only basic human kindness. I I, I have this theory about walking the earth lightly and. You know, I I, I kind of live by those rules is that if you're nice to people, do the best work you can. Try not to forget a hello or a goodbye or a handshake. Things usually work out in the end. Well, what a great way to end our conversation. You've walked the earth lightly, but left an incredible um, fingerprint and, and, and a shadow uh, of, of greatness. I, again, I have so much admiration for your work, and I know that you'll continue to soar both in the world of photography and, of course, the world of keynote speaking. Paul Mobley, thank you so much for being my guest today on Mic Drop. Thanks so much, Josh. Great to be here. This brings us to the end of today's episode with the remarkable Paul Mobley. His journey from the intricate world of photography to the impactful realm of keynote speaking reminds us that artistry and storytelling are about more than just the tools we use. They're about the connections we make and the souls we touch. Paul's insights into the essence of his subjects, whether captured through his camera or expressed in his speeches, reminds us of the power of authenticity, empathy, and human connection. His stories from capturing the fleeting moments on a farm to his profound encounters with centenarians teaches us that the value is to look beyond the surface and find the true spirit of our subjects. As we sign off today, let's take with us the lessons of kindness, humanity, and the art of genuine connection that Paul Mobley so beautifully embodies. Whether behind a lens or in front of an audience, the ability to capture and convey the soul's essence is a gift that resonates deeply and universally. Thanks for joining us on Mic Drop. Keep seeking those moments that connect us all in photographs, words, and life. Until next time, keep creating, keep connecting, and keep sharing your stories. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Mic Drop. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. If you love the show, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to give us a five-star review. For show transcripts and show notes, visit micdroppodcast.com. I'm your host, Josh Linkner. Thanks so much for listening. And here's to your next Mic Drop moment.